Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, let's take our Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, that classic passage of Scripture on the husband and wife relationship. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not married, there's still principles here that will apply to you. If you are a wife, this is directed at your husband, there's still something you can learn tonight, okay? Uh, If you're here without your husband, I give you permission to take notes and get them to him. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to talk tonight about how to make your wife a joyful person. Now before we begin, let me say this, there are some wives, you can't make them happy no matter what you do. And the Bible says for a wife like that, it's better to dwell on the rooftop or in the wilderness, Right? than a wide house with a contentious woman. So it it is true, sometimes, no matter what a man does, you know, if if a woman's relationship with the Lord is not what it should be, she's not going to have the joy of the Lord in her life. Okay? But there are some things that we as husbands are to do to produce that joyfulness in our wives. So begin here with uh, verse, uh, let's, let's just jump up to verse 25. Wives, or verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And we'll deal with the wives next week. Therefore, excuse me, <clears throat> verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. How did he love the church? And gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, in the same way we are to love our wives, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, glorious wife, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Don't complain about their spots and wrinkles and such things, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. Interesting. As their own bodies, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. Two greatest needs of a wife, right there mentioned, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just give us some insights from this very, very familiar passage of Scripture that we could take and apply to our marriages here this evening. For those that are here tonight that aren't married, that one day look forward to being married, uh, Father, would you take these truths and just burn them deeply within their hearts so that they would have successful marriages with so many of our marriages ending in divorce and even the Christian divorce rate being so very high today. Obviously, we're not doing what you've called us to do in this area of the husband and wife relationship. Uh, So Father, we pray you bless the teaching of your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I guess I better turn this thing on here. How to make your wife a joyful person. (laughs) There you go, sir. Many husbands over the years have come and shared their complaints with me. Okay? Even recently, I have had husbands 
come and share some complaints with me concerning their wives and the fact that their wives just are not happy. Now, why does this so concern a husband? Because I believe every husband realizes that, that an unhappy wife is a public rebuke. So if you have an unhappy wife, what does that really say? It says that I'm a failure as a husband. I have not been able to meet the needs of my wife. I can't make her happy no matter what I do. And so he simply doesn't understand maybe how to meet the needs of his wife. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. Now, let me say this. Men and women are completely wired differently. Okay? I don't care what society says. We are different. God made us that way. And so we're going to look tonight at how important it is to dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, if you're married, you may be like this guy. I can't figure this woman out. Okay? And I think most men will say, sometimes it's really difficult to figure my wife out. Okay? It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of trying to understand. Again, because we are so different and we see life differently. So what every husband should know about his wife. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I think before we really get into this, I have seven points that I'm going to share with you this evening. I think every one of us, every one of us, husband, wife, everyone here tonight, we really need to understand the principle of sowing and reaping, right? Now, does that apply to marriage as it would anything else in our lives, okay? So we're very familiar with this passage of Scripture, be not deceived. Satan will deceive you into thinking, I can live this way and I can do this and I'll have no consequence for it. That's not true. There's a consequence for everything that we do, good or bad. So be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that he may reap, he shall what? He shall reap it. He's going to reap it. So whatever you sow in your relationships, it's going to come back to you. Okay? And let us not be wearying in well-doing, for in due season we shall what? Reap if we faint not. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are sowing really good seeds in our marriage. Because if we're sowing good seeds, we can expect to what? Reap good results. Okay. Are you all with me tonight? I mean, this is basic. This is, this is the ABCs, but... I think sometimes we don't realize that the reason things are the way they are in our marriage is because we have not been sowing the right kind of seeds. Sow bad seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get a bad crop. Sow good seeds, you're going to get a good crop. It is the law of the harvest. Because there are so many passages of Scripture, I want you to jot these down because these are the passages that we're going to use as our text tonight. But in order to cover as much as I would like to cover tonight, I want you to really go home and dissect these passages for yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 5. Very important passage. We'll refer to it tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through verse 15. Another very important passage of Scripture. The one that we just read, Ephesians chapter 5, the classic passage. Then Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through verse 21. Again, husband and wife relationship mentioned there. And then, of course, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 7, ending with, we certainly don't want our spiritual life to be hindered because our relationship between the husband and wife is not what it should be. And that's that passage that says, dwell with them according to knowledge. And we're going to try to gain some knowledge here tonight. So here we find a man sowing some seeds and uh, reaping a good harvest. So in every passage that I've just given you, and hopefully you've jotted those down, hopefully you guys take notes. You want to know why? Because you don't remember all this stuff. It really is important for you, especially on a Wednesday night, to bring a notepad and to jot these things down and then take them home and, and refresh your mind with the things that uh, the preacher has taught. Okay? So, but in each one of these passages that I just threw up there, Who's the initiator supposed to be? 
He is the head, right? He's the initiator. He is to initiate a good relationship. And then the wife is to come along and she is to respond to his initiation or to his leadership as the head of the home. Now, it's important for both of us to be sowing good seeds, both the wife and the husband as well. But really, the, the success of a family is dependent upon the husband. He has a number one responsibility there. And let me just kind of throw this in here. When I was in college, <clears throat> I had several opportunities to preach. And one of the messages that I brought when I was in college was about the Godhead, how we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Godhead represents the family, okay? God would represent the, the Father. Jesus would represent the, the children, okay? The Son of God would represent the children and how obedient Jesus was to his Father. So who does that leave the wife to be? She's the Holy Spirit. And doesn't the wife really set the spirit of the home? Because you've heard it. I'm going to end with it. If mama's not happy, come on, nobody's going to be happy. So we all want to have a happy mama there in the home. So it's essential that the husband knows what to sow in order to reap a oneness of spirit. Okay? Now, sometimes it's hard to define a oneness of spirit. But I will say this. You know when you don't have it right? You know when you don't have it. And this is what I would say. When you sense that there's not a oneness of spirit between you and your wife or you and your husband, do whatever you have to do to get that oneness back. If you have to make things right and apologize, maybe even you have to go for counseling. Listen, there's nothing wrong with going for counseling. There's nothing wrong with getting help. I use this illustration all the time. If your car is broken down and you don't know how to fix it, what do you do? We take it to one of our mechanics here so they can fix it. There's a lot of things in life that break down and we don't know how to fix it, but we think nothing about finding someone who does. We think nothing about going to the doctor when our bodies break down. Matter of fact, we encourage you, you need to go see the doctor. But why is it that when things break down in a relationship, we're too prideful to go and to get the help that we need? Stop and ponder that for just a minute. Because aren't our marriages and our relationships with each other, isn't that the most important thing in life? Last night we sat down with a couple that uh, we've purchased, uh, not we, but the house that we're going to be living in was purchased for us. And we sit down with this couple across the table and they're up in years and they're building a home. And we begin to talk about them, and the reason they're leaving the home that they're leaving and have built another home is because they want to be closer to their children. And so we talked about how, as you get older, things begin to take on a whole different perspective. And things that weren't so important to you before now become important. And my wife made this, and she was right. The older you get, the more important family becomes to you. Let me tell you something, Fam besides your relationship with the Lord, your family is the most important thing. It's not, import it's not as important as your relationship with Christ, right? He always comes first. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Son or daughter more than me. Husband or wife more than me is not worthy of me. So I'm never saying that family love should surpass the love that we have for Christ. I've seen that where... Families are so tight that it really hinders them even in their walk with the Lord. You know, the Lord just comes secondary to that. So that's not what I'm saying, but I am saying it's so important to have a oneness of spirit in your marriage. And when you lose it, get it back, whatever you have to do. Sowing the right seeds in a marriage is going to produce joyful results. So God's word compares, we just read this passage, it compares the husband's relationship with the wife to Christ's relationship with his church or his bride. We are the body of Christ. When someone is married, the two become what? The two become one. Now also, 
matter of fact, the Bible said that they, that they should cleave. That word cleave means literally to be glued or stuck permanently together. Only in marriage do one and one become what? If one and one becomes one, and what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder, we better make this thing work. Instead of thinking, well, you know what, if it doesn't work, we'll just get a divorce and we'll just try it again. By the way, the divorce rate for second marriages is much higher than it is for first marriages, and third marriage is much higher than it is for second marriages. So obviously we haven't learned and we bring a lot of baggage in to even the second marriage. But God's will is one man, one woman, till death do us what? So listen to me, make it work. Make it work. Husbands, take the leadership in this area. So Christ gave himself for the church. Love your wives as Christ loves us, as he loves the church, his bride. One day he's coming back for his bride. Amen? I'm ready for that. Get us out of here. It can't be quick enough. Once we're out of here, there's going to be a celebration in heaven. Won't that be an amazing thing at that marriage supper of the Lamb? When even in heaven, Christ will gird himself, and what will he do? He is going to serve us. And who are we? We are his bride. Think about it. The Savior came to this earth, died on an old rugged cross, rose from the dead, ascended back into heaven, and one day when we're with him, he's still going to be serving us. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. So many times we enter into marriage thinking of what we can get out of it instead of what we can put into it. If you get into marriage, especially you young people here looking forward to getting married, don't ever get married on the idea, boy, I'm going to get something out of this. No, I'm getting married to see what I can put into it. And the Bible said, if you give, you will what? You're going to receive. Press down, shaken together, so shall men give into your bosom. So this is the passage of Scripture that we've just read. I want to highlight a couple things here and we'll expound on those. Husbands, love your wives, even if Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. That he might, what? Sanctify. Sanctify means you set something apart exclusively for you. When you get married, your wife and husband are set aside exclusively for you. Any other woman, Solomon said, should be a what kind of woman? Strange woman. There's an estrangement that you keep. There's a distance that you keep. Wouldn't that protect a lot of our marriages? Come on now. Boy, you're being a hard crew tonight. I don't know what's going on. And then he may sanctify it and cleanse it. Are husbands really to cleanse their wives? With the washing of the water by the word that he may present it to himself? Exclusively for him, a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives. Interesting. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, join unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. So husbands are to have the same love. And we're always working towards this. How in the world can we? But Christ is set there as our example. Have the same love and care for our wives that Christ has for his church. So let's stop and think about how much does Christ love us? Come on, come on, work with me here tonight. How much does he love us? that he gave himself for us. Husbands, your wives that are sitting next to you, you should be willing to drop it a hat to give yourself. I said this Sunday, I mean this with all my heart, I have such a love for the members of this church, and I've grown in my love for every single person in this church. Without hesitation, I would give my life for any one of you. 
And I mean that. That is exactly how I feel toward you. And that's exactly how we as husbands need to feel towards our wife. Love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Let those pictures resonate in your heart right now. Do you love your wives that much? If not, we need to ask the Lord, give me that type of passionate, sacrificial love. Really, there's only one way to describe the love that Christ has. Sacrifice. So every husband is to what? What's the word? Every husband is to sacrifice for his wife. And when a wife really feels my husband is willing to do anything he needs to do for me, will she not give her heart to a man like that? Christ's ultimate goal. What is his ultimate goal for me and for you? To make us a glorious church. Why? So we can glorify him. A glorious church. That word glorious means radiant. Have you ever been around a radiant individual? The energy giver type of individual? The one that just has the joy of the Lord in them? That no matter what they're going through in life, they just emanate radiance? Without spot. Do we, all, do we all get a little spotted up here in this life? Our feet get a little dirty as we're walking around in this filthy world. We get spots, stains on us. We get uh, a few wrinkles, a few flaws. How many of you here have a few flaws? Without blemish imperfections how many of you are still just a little bit imperfect can i see your hand that old song he's still what he's still oh yeah he's still working on me christ cleanses his church with the washing of the water by the word he seeks to cleanse the stains the flaws and the imperfections out of our lives how does he do that? All right. What's wrong with you all tonight? What's that? It's late. Yeah, give me a break. <clears throat> he does it with the washing of the water by the word. Where's your Bible? You did not bring your Bible tonight? My son. <laughs> you know what's happening right now? If we are open to it, God is washing us with this word. That's what takes place every time we come to church. Uh, let me see, Tuesday, yesterday, yesterday I went through the car wash. Went through the, I was actually headed to the hospital to see Jerry, and I was headed through the car wash, and Craig Davison called. You ever try to talk to someone when you're going through the car wash? <laughs> I'm like, Craig, just hang on a minute. I'm going through a car wash. Got through the other side, and uh, Jerry had, he said, Jerry just got released from the hospital. You know what was wrong with Jerry? We prayed for him Sunday. What was wrong? They had, for a long time now, they've had him on wrong medication. They took him off. The medication, his problems cleared right up. You hear about that a lot, don't you? I don't know how I'm getting on that. But anyway, my truck was filthy. 
my truck had a lot of stains, flaws, and imperfections. And I wanted to get the salt off. So what did I do? I went through the car wash. When we come into the Lord's house, this is a spiritual car wash, right, that we're having. And he washes us. This is, this is great water right here. This is pure water. And if we allow him to, he will wash us. You can hand that back. This is what a Bible looks like right here. See, it's black. It's Holy Bible, KJV. You know, you got one of these? Okay, good. Daniel, where's your Bible? Oh, yeah. It's a millennial for you right there. Remember Charlotte's Web? What's that little pig's name? Wilbur. Wilbur was going to die, wasn't he? Wilbur was going to get butchered until Charlotte came along and made him a radiant little pig. Okay? Be radiant. That we would work with the Lord to make our wives radiant. I guess that's about as joyful as you can be. Never neglect the spiritual aspect of your marriage. Thank you. Well, that was the ladies. I didn't hear any men <laughs> say that, but the ladies did. Because this is what the Lord's doing. And we can be confident. Um, being confident this very thing which he hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Christ Jesus. Let's, let's just work with the Lord in this whole process of cleansing with the washing of the water by the word. So the goal of every husband should be to make his wife a joyful or radiant person. Love your wives as what? Christ loved the church. What is his ultimate goal for us? That we would be radiant, that we would get all the stains, flaws, and imperfections out of our lives so that we could more glorify Him. He that is married has to care for the things of this world, and I underline, let's say it together, how he may what? Please his wife. You know something, Matt? You have to please her. So I thought she had to please me. No, you need to please her. Josh, you need to please that lady. Okay? Phil, you need to please her. How do we do it? If you're going to please me, don't you think you ought to ask me what pleases me? I mean, if I don't like apple pie and you give me an apple pie because you think it's going to please me, it will please me. <laughs> so how does a husband make his wife a radiant, a radiant person? If that's Christ's goal, it should be our goal as husbands to do that. That brings me to this, these seven points that I want to share with you tonight. I'm not going very fast, am I? All right. Discern your wife's spiritual need. Many husbands think that a wife's relationship with the Lord is their own responsibility. That is my wife's own responsibility. I have nothing to do with it. Wrong. Love your wife as what? Christ loves the church. All right. You have to assume the responsibility that, that yeah, wives, all you wives here tonight, is it your responsibility to have a close walk with the Lord and keep it right? Yeah, but it's also your husband's responsibility to help you. Not just to leave you out there on your own, but to help you in that area. Most husbands are not doing that. They're not helping their wives spiritually. They just kind of leave it up to their wives. But according to God's word, it is our responsibility. It's very, very clear as the head of our home. Number two, we are to cleanse our wives with the washing of the water by the word. Remember the picture of the woman there with the uh, uh, scriptures above her and the water flowing out of it? How does Christ cleanse us? With the, with the word of God. 
So, he is the Word of God. It's, respo- it's our responsibility to get into the Word of God. Is it my responsibility to bring the Word of God to you? Am I cleansing you of your stains, flaws, and imperfections if I bring to you my own philosophies? If I bring to you my own ideas? What is the only way that I can cleanse you of your stained flaws and imperfections? I have to preach the word, right? I've got two wonderful pastors here. Aren't you glad it wasn't up to us to cleanse the, our people? It was just up to us to bring the word to them. I don't know how these liberal pastors do that don't preach the word. So that's my responsibility. Well, think of this. What would you do if I stopped bringing you the word? Yeah, you'd probably leave or get another preacher. And you should. Now, I'm not advocating getting another husband. Because you're stuck with him, remember? But listen, let's, let's step up to the plate. Husbands, 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 let's step up to the plate. Come on. We step up to the plate at work and any other area, let's step up to the plate when it comes to our relationship with our wives. Don't complain about their stains and their flaws and their imperfections. That's, that, that, that is the easiest thing to do. Have you ever noticed that complaining to your wife about her stained flaws and imperfections never cleanses her? Never ever helps? Always makes matters worse. But somehow we think if we just complain about them to them, then that idea of power and control will change them. It won't. Never has, never will. So you need to seek to wash her from her spots, her wrinkles, and her blemishes with the word. Number three. Pray for your wife. Could throw in there and pray for your children. Don't complain about them. Don't tell others how disappointed you are in your marriage. You know, it, it, never, it never is a good thing to go out and complain to someone about your marriage. Satan will use that. But pray for your wife. Prayer is powerful. As the head of the family, a man has the authority given to him by God. He is the what? He's the head. So as I am the bishop of the church, right? As I am the overseer, so a husband is the overseer. He's the bishop of his family. God puts you in that position. I look at all these husbands here tonight. God puts you in that position. You are the head of your family. And as being the head, God has given you the authority to pray a special hedge of protection around your family. This is in several passages. Remember how Job did it? What did Job pray around his family? What did the Bible call it? A what? A hedge. Now, could Satan get through that hedge? Satan literally had to go to God and ask God to remove the hedge so he could get to Job and to his family. But Job was faithful in praying that daily hedge around his family. Jesus talked about the strong man being bound. And he said, unless the strong man is bound, he will spoil your house. So I believe we need to to pray this prayer. Lord, would you bind? Would you bind Satan? Yeah, jot these down real quick. We don't have time to go into these, but you'll see that if you go into each one of these passages right there. 
So I ask the Lord. Now, eventually, Satan is going to be bound and cast into the bottomless pit. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, if I can just be there and give a good swift kick as he goes. I think we all feel that way, don't we? But pray that his power would be bound. Now, I understand this. I understand that man has a free will. I understand our wives have a free will. Our husbands have a free will. Our kids have a free will. I understand that. But I also understand that it is my responsibility as a, as a husband to go to prayer for my wife and for my children. Bind the strong man or he will spoil our house. Number four, counsel your wife. Now, do you need to have a good relationship if you're going to counsel your wife? And by counseling your wife, I'm not telling you to tell her what to do. When I counsel someone, when they come into the, the office and I sit down and counsel them, they wouldn't come in unless they realized what? They needed help. And so, wives, listen, when you need help, who does the Bible tell you to go to? It tells you to go to your husband. It's very clear. It doesn't tell you to go to the pastor. Now, you can go to the pastor with your husband. It doesn't tell you to go to another godly woman in the church. Although godly women can be used, by God to give counsel. But here would be my counsel to you as ladies. If you, need, if you need help, go to your husband. If he can't help you, ask him permission. Can I go talk to so-and-so? Can I go talk to Shelly, a pastor? Or can I go talk to this spiritual woman in the church that I know can help me? All right? And here's why I say this. When you as a wife go behind your husband's back, he does not appreciate that. Your husband, no husband appreciates the dirty laundry being aired to others. Now, if he recognizes and you're able to communicate with him that you really need, have need in this area, then let him go and get, get the counsel or go with you, but don't ever go behind your husband's back. So husbands, seek to counsel your wives. Now, here's a, here's a very interesting word. It's, it's in the Greek. It's the word rhema. Okay? The Bible talks about how we're to wash them with the washing of the water by the word. The word is rhema. A rhema is personal insight that God gives you from Scripture. Here's how I prepare my messages. Okay? First of all, I seek the Lord and what He'll have me to do. Ben and I were talking about this this week in our in our weekly meeting, for many years, I just preached through a book, okay? I mean, I've preached through the book of Hebrews. Remember when we preached, some of you, this goes back, remember when we preached through the book of Genesis? Yeah, took us a millennial to preach through the book of uh, Genesis. And I preached through the book of Romans, I preached through the book of First Peter. I used to always preach through books. Now in my latter years, for whatever reason, I don't know, the Lord has led me to just really seek him as to what messages he would have me to bring. And even though my messages are usually a top topic that we deal with, they're exegetical as well. We go and we exposit the text. Okay? But this is what I do. I'll, I'll, go, I'll get the mind of the Lord, at least what I believe he would have us to deal with. And then I will study that passage. What is God saying in the context of all... You know, one thing, I'm telling you, I can get in the flesh over this. When someone tells me, Pastor, you're taking this out of context. I'm like, if you only spent the time that I spend making sure that everything I preach is in context, you wouldn't be saying that. That really irritates me. So don't ever say that to me. Okay? It's probably true sometimes, but don't say that to me. But what I try to do, I try to study the text. Lord, what are you saying? And then I spend a good portion of the week just meditating on that passage. I don't open my mind, you know, let Satan fill with all kinds of stupid thoughts. I meditate on the scripture. How does that apply to me? You know why? Because this is what my dad taught me. So thankful. My dad said to me, he said, Danny, 
He said, a message prepared in the heart will touch a heart. A message prepared in the mind will only touch a mind. Because I was such a poor student, I was so glad because I don't have a mind to deal with it anyway. But I thought, you know what? I can't preach from my heart. A rhema is the personal insight that God gives you from a passage of Scripture. You've studied it. You've studied it in its context, but God has just so spoken to you that then you can share that insight in Scripture uh, as a way of counsel, all right? It's spoken to me. I will say this. No one is impressed by someone speaking out of their mind. At least I'm not. As a husband, you're to share with your wife the counsel, the ramas, those insights that God is giving you. That was nice. From Scripture. The sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema, which is the rhema of God. So counsel your wife. Number five, we're almost done. Number five is nurture your wife. We're to nurture them and we're to cherish them. The word nurture means to feed. Okay? We're not talking about force feeding here. You're going to take that. Not talking about cramming it down the throat of your wife. It's not what we're talking about. It's a gentle feeding, like a nurse cherishes her children. Pastors are to feed. They're to feed. I hope that when you come into the house of the Lord, there's not a time you don't let us say, we got fed today. Now there's a lot of times I hear people say, yeah, I'm not going to church anymore because my preacher doesn't feed me. I'm like, come on. My responsibility is to feed you. I can't, I can't make you eat, <laughs> right? Well, I, I try though, I try hard. Like, come on, quit looking at your phone. And I've tried every trick in the book. I'm coming to the point, nothing works. If you don't want to listen, you're not going to listen. But seriously, I do my best to feel. I don't think any of you can say there's a, there's a time that you can remember that I have not stood in this pulpit and not been prepared. I am always prepared. Why? Because that's my job. Husbands, that's your job when it comes to your family. Feed them. Make sure your family's in church. Now, many times it's usually the wife that's taking the leadership there. But make sure your family is in church. Don't you think it'd be great if as many people came Sunday morning, came Wednesday night? And don't you think their spiritual life would be so much better? Now, I love Wednesday nights. I guess the reason I love Wednesday nights is because I'm a teacher. But I think Wednesday nights are, I mean, that's the practical time. And it, but make sure your family's in church. Husbands are to feed their wives with the milk and the meat of the Word of God. It's your responsibility before God to do this. So nurture them. Feed them spiritually. Then the Bible tells us that we're to honor our wives. I'm so glad I got a wife that I can honor. Honor your wives. Giving honor unto the wife. As a husband honors his wife, again, all these things, if a husband does them, the, the wife is going to give her heart to you. Because she is the responder. Giving honor unto the wife is unto the weaker vessel. I think of Pastor Bruce and the wonderful relationship. He is a great example. Him and Betty had an amazing relationship. Pastor, you really did. And I remember all those years you taught Sunday school. You know, the first 15 minutes he had to tell us how much he loved Betty. Right, remember that? We're like, okay, pastor, let's get on. Quit smiling at me like that. You know that's true. 
It's one thing you, you loved your wife. Amen. Amen. And you gave honor to her. Have you noticed that when you honor someone publicly, it's so much better than honoring them personally? So think about honoring your wife publicly, appraising her before others. The virtuous woman. Praise her for her godly virtue. Who can find a what? Virtuous woman. Her price is far above rubies. If you're married to a virtuous woman, let other people know. Praise the Lord. Express gratefulness to her for all she's doing. Doesn't a wife and mother do a lot of things that go unnoticed? Why do you think the Holy Spirit's called the Holy Spirit? Because he is the He's the unseen force within the church. Let her know that she is meeting needs that no other woman can meet. Why? Because then she feels secure. If I could ask the ladies to be really honest here, say, what are some of the things you struggle with? And probably say, you know, Satan kind of beats me up sometimes. It causes me to be insecure. Make sure your, husband, make sure your wives feel secure in your love. Number seven, cherish your wife. The number one need of a wife is to be cherished. The number one need of a husband is to be respected. You get these two down, you're going to have a good marriage. Any couple that comes to us for counseling, you know what the bottom line problem is? He doesn't feel reverenced. She doesn't feel cherished. Every time. All these years, every time. Actually, so many times I've said, I can tell you what your problem is before you tell me. And I'll say to the wife, do you feel cherished? No. I'll say to the husband, do you feel your wife respects you? No. That's why you're here. She needs the stability and direction of a spiritual leader. Your wives need that. Be the spiritual leader of your home. Don't let your wife be that. You be that. Again, all this leads to her security. She needs to see that you cherish her. Years ago, I sent out a questionnaire to the ladies of our church. It was when I pastored in Napoleon, and I I said, what do your husbands do that make you feel cherished? Pansy, do you remember that? That was years ago, 30 years ago. That was when Pansy used to chase Phil around with fry pans. That's when, you know. And I remember my wife, she said, what makes me feel cherished is to know that I'm the most important thing to my husband. I'm more important to him than his job, than his hobbies, and his personal interest. Wow. One lady said, I feel cherished because my husband every Saturday morning brings me breakfast in bed. That was Mrs. Cantonese. Interesting. So every woman is going to have a different thing as to what really makes her feel cherished. My wife is a quality time person. So what makes her feel cherished is for us to spend quality time together. So you can see being separated like we are is really difficult for her. She needs to hear that you delight in her as a person. She needs to know that she is meeting needs in your life. If she doesn't know that she's meeting needs, she probably stopped doing it. She needs to know that you understand her and where she needs protection. And again, this only comes through communication. Many wives feel very vulnerable. Maybe their husbands are asking them to do many, too many things. Or they have too many pressures, especially if they work outside the home. She needs, she needs to know that you know the areas of her limitation. 
since my wife has been ill for all these years, I remember when we came, we said, we have to start removing you from some of your responsibilities because you can't handle it. She needs to know that you enjoy being with her. These are where date nights really are, are a good thing. She needs to know that you enjoy intimate conversation with her. You can just listen to her and you can share your heart with her. She needs to know that you are willing to make investments in her life that will fulfill her world. Maybe she just, maybe she loves baking and, and, she, and she wants a, maybe she wants one of those um, grinders that she can bake her own bread. She can grind her own wheat berries and make her own bread. Well, if that's what she likes to do, buy her a grinder, let her bake her own bread. Even though it tastes horrible, let her bake her own bread. Like you're eating a wheat stock or something. I remember when my wife got into stamping. We had to make... How many remember the stamping years? Yeah. Ours is gone. I can't tell you how much money we spent on stamping. That was... That was I, thought, I thought you loved your wife. Well, if you did, then in that era, you had to buy her stamps. Yeah. They stamped everything. No. They made cards. They made everything with these stamps. Because it saved money. That was the sales pitch. What's that? Yeah, okay. All right, this is, this is going south right now. We got to... <laughs> if you want a happy life, you got to have a happy wife. All right? So those are just seven practical, right, practical principles that if we apply them, at least we're doing what we need to do to help our wives be joyful. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.